Hello and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust, colon, a Star Trek podcast. This episode, we will be discussing Picard Season 3, number 2 to number 7. My name is Ethan, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Kevin, one of the other hosts. And I'm Julia, I'm the other host. Well, we're back. Well past the midway point. We are. We're checking in before the home stretch, the final run, the the uh, landing, if you will. We chose a rather awkward number of episodes to uh, to block these off by, but I think the 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 feeling was in the beginning that we were going to actually go until episode five, but then we had been reading that there was some pivotal moment in episode six that would change everything. That. I don't think actually happened and then we ended up becoming a little bit too, getting a little behind so now we're on episode seven so well is a perfect place because now we have what three episodes left right three episodes left yeah we have a lot to talk about there's certainly a lot more to discuss that's coming but yeah how are you liking this kind of format too just kind of instead of because everyone who listens to us is used to us going week to week to week but we kind of decided to bunch everything up and talk about it sort of in segments I think I'm glad we did it this way. Same. Although I was having a little fear of missing out as I've seen the buzz around this um, series, <laughs> you know, and just knowing that yeah, the buzz around a series, more people listen to our podcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was kind of a bummer. But honestly, I do think this is right because <laughs> we were not enjoying podcasting about season-long movies because there's just not no. that much to do when you don't know what um, what's happening. There's not. What the point of anything is. I, 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 you're 100% right. I, I just think that we... It's, it's easy to sort of get caught up in... And it's kind of frustrating too, right? I mean, we, we it happened with Discovery and even the last season of Picard where like there are weeks where sometimes the show just kind of feels like it's spinning its wheels and we're not making any progress. And we look at that as kind of a frustration when maybe it just plays better if we watch, if we just talk about all of it together or or at least a big chunk of it together instead of just going week to week to week. Um, Because the next week could potentially invalidate the opinions of last week. So I think it's better this way as well. I hope that the listeners think so too, but I understand what you're saying with the whole fear of missing out. And since this is the first time Julia's joining us, she knows no other way to do it. Well, second time. She wasn't the first one. Oh, well, I mean, first series. <clears throat> oh, yes, 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 yes. I mean, I, I feel that it would be possible to do an episode, uh, an episode per episode. Mm-hmm. But it would also be going nowhere each episode. <laughs> so. Right. Well, again, I think if it's if you if you're dealing with an episode that where not a lot is revealed and the story only moves a little bit, there may not be a lot to discuss that week. And thus, I'm not a fan of like releasing a short like ten minute episode. You know, I want to like sometimes get into the meat of it and really discuss it. But sometimes you may have that episode or episodes that don't really reveal a lot 
or really make progress on the story. So, and then, and then I'm going to take that and complain that not enough is revealed and look at that as a negative. And so I feel like in a way I do, we, I do a bit of a disservice to the listeners that way, but and that's I tend, just me. when that happens, I tend to nitpick a bit. So yes. for instance, we had done a full episode after <laughs> the episode where they go to, um, Daystrom. Yep. I think I would have just been insufferable in my complaints about Daystrom, but here's it is now it'll be a couple minutes and then it'll be over with. Right. Right. Well, before we get into the nitty gritty of episodes two through seven, since we were last on the air, there has been uh, there was quite a bit of uh, news Star Trek rumblings, and I just want to kind of go over that a little bit. So, since we've last been here, we learned that Discovery is going to be coming to a close after the fifth season, which is set to premiere sometime in. 2024. I have thoughts on this. I'm sure we all do. Strange New Worlds has been renewed for a third season and will be returning on June 15th. Lower Decks has been renewed for a fifth season and season four will be returning. The show will be returning with season four sometime in the summertime. And I would think this is the kind of the most unexpected news. They actually announced a new series, which is the long rumored even going back to the 90s really series focusing on yeah well yeah actually yeah you're right about that Uh, but we're finally getting this series now that's being that's focusing on starfleet academy and it's going to be called fittingly starfleet academy i have just one question is this show going to come up before or after the section 31 show i know and i offer that you know as a rhetorical question because it just seems like this is the old pattern of uh, announcing things that I'm not confident we'll ever see. I question whether the Section 31 show is still going to happen, just given Michelle Yeoh's Oscar win. Uh, can they afford her now? I, I wonder I'm about they that. They need to find something. Maybe they had a yeah. contract already. So now that we know that Section 31 are Joseph Mengele like maniacs, do we really want to see a show about? Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks Renewals, that is not a surprise because they're great shows. We love them. The fans love them. So I don't think that was really a shock there. I'm glad that we have the date, the the release date for season two of Strange New Worlds. I'm getting really excited for that. Really quickly, though, if we can, Discovery ending after five seasons. Um, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to list out my grievances of the show. I think I've done that enough over the last few years. I will just say that I'm I'm not particularly devastated about it. I would say in some ways I'm kind of relieved that the show is coming to an end because I've always just viewed it as a constant um, you know, problem child in the in the franchise. It's just I just don't think it's a show that really fully came together. So I think that, you know, of course, that's the show that launched this new generation of Trek shows. I don't, I don't, dis- I don't, you know, ignore that. I don't dismiss that. I certainly acknowledge that. And it did some great things, but I just think I'm exhausted. The show, I'm exhausted from the show. And I think having it end, I'm, I'm a bit relieved. I agree. I think no matter how it ends, it'll just be, I will always think of it as a, as a, um, disappointing missed opportunity 
Right. Because yeah. when, every time it started to seem like it was going to be good, it would just fly off the rails. Fly off the rails. <clears throat> they, um, I think the term we kept using in the old days was it just never seemed to stick to landing. Mm. So, But my understanding now is that the cancellation... Well, I shouldn't say cancel. Well, maybe I guess cancellation. But the, end, the, the somewhat premature ending of it. I mean, I don't think they planned season five to be the last one. But I guess they are now going back and doing some reshoots, I guess, to kind of jerry-rig the show to be, to give it a sort of conclusion. Which I thought was odd, because I remember us discussing the end of season four. The end of season four kind of felt like it could have been the end. I think even I, you and I even said, like, you know, did, did they end the show and we didn't even know about it? Because it feels like that could have really been the end of the series. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it was a cancellation, but I do swear I remember hearing that they had two more seasons planned at some point. Yeah, yeah. Like, it seemed like there was some sort of suggestion that the show was going to run longer than, than season five. But while we don't know what the actual reason was, all I can say, and it's just speculation and theory based off of anecdotal evidence, of course, but... A couple of days, like a week before that, I had been reading about all, how all these different streaming services had announced that, you know, they were cutting back on content, raising prices. They weren't really getting uh, the numbers that they had hoped for. So they were cutting back on a lot of content and sort of axing expensive shows. And my assumption is strictly that, you know, Discovery by this point would have, by that would have five seasons under its belt, 65-ish episodes. So... Maybe that's enough to, you know, the show has been around for a while now and it seems like it would be a decent candidate to bring to an end. Then you also have Picard ending after this season not being canceled. The show was obviously designed to go three seasons. So I think Paramount just kind of looked at it as saying, you know, we're kind of knocking off um, two Star Trek shows in a, in a, in a way. So, um yeah, I mean, it's, you know, these shows don't run forever. And, you know, Star Trek is obviously not an exp- not a cheap show to produce. Yeah, so um, this will free up some resources for maybe some other Trek shows. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. And maybe we'll close it out with a solid season. Um, I, I also think that, in general, uh, the, the trend I've been um, noticing <clears throat> is that new material pays off more than continuing mm-hmm. one so even if it's very expensive to produce something like star trek mm-hmm. i believe the the cloud of something new is always going to be a better drive than continuing or making better a product that already exists. Really good point. it sounds counterintuitive <clears throat> but i believe that given that a lot of this is based on like advertisement mm-hmm. and uh, new um, subscribers. Yep, they are gonna keep going for these like short seasons, short series. Yep, and more spread out. Well, like... and the thing is, it used to be in the old days that when you do when you you know we don't live in a world now where you do seven seasons, twenty six episodes a year, right? Certain shows on networks still do that, but on the whole, that's not common anymore. And it used to be that when you get... You, the goal was when you do a new show, 
you want to get it to syndication, meaning that once you cross the threshold of 100 episodes, now you can sell it into weekday, into week, you know, five days a week reruns, and then the show starts making a shit ton more money. But with streaming now, I mean, it's like the show, the season ends, and you can just watch it all immediately on demand whenever you want. So it's kind of like, in a way, it the number of episodes you have really doesn't even make a difference anymore, whether it's 65 or 165. It doesn't, right? It doesn't really make a difference now. So, yeah. and I, you know, from what I have seen, which isn't to suggest that Discovery has to follow this model, but streaming shows tend to call it quits around season four, five. They don't run for like, you know, longer periods. I'm sure there are some that have. I don't know off the top of my head. But on a whole, like you don't get streaming shows that run usually beyond about the five, six season mark. Mm. I think you make a really good point, Julia. I think that uh, it reminds me of comic books where um, they will restart a series yeah. after sometimes after like eight right. months or something. They start over at number one. And I think it's because then you can kind of have that mm-hmm. campaign of hype around the start of something new. Right. And um, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you can like think about it. This uh, Starfleet Academy show, they were able to, I don't know, hype it as some new, young, yep. focused Star well, Trek show. And I should mention we this too. I'm sorry. All waiting for the guy that takes care of the garden, mm-hmm. the caretaker facility guy that apparently changed everybody's life. Everybody. Do you remember the name of the guy, the gardener? Which series? Well, it was. They talked about him in Voyager and oh. in um, in uh, uh, TNG. Oh, Boothby. Boothby. Yes. Yeah. The, yes. Oh. So it's gonna be like the the new series with uh, Janeway, mm-hmm. but instead of the. Uh, the groundskeeper projection holographic projection is going to be oh my oh i have no doubt that they would do that that actor is not with us anymore but i have no doubt they would do something like that how could you how could you not do that well here's the thing too right now while they didn't specify in the academy series when it takes place what they did say in sort of the press release and just sort of giving a bit they said now that starfleet academy has reopened and Starfleet Academy reopened in the season premiere of Discovery in season four, if you recall that. So there seems to be a suggestion that it's going to take place in the 32nd century. So now we had speculated that, remember that episode with Tilly leading the cadets? We knew at that point, like we knew back then, like that there was rumors of a Academy series. And we were like, is this setting up for that? Right. Is is this going to be a sort of a Tilly spinoff or something like that? I don't know, but I really hope not. Yeah, but the I, last but, thing we want to see is the continuation. And if it's spinning off from that show, I can imagine some of the same, uh, you know, talent. Well, it's a thing. My point is, is that yeah, I mean, while Discovery is ending, I think the Academy series is giving a platform for the for the those characters to make appearances, right? Or maybe even to right, have some yeah. of them. All yeah. new behind the scenes. You know, writers yeah. and producers, I'm happy. If not, yeah. then. I mean, here's the thing, right? We were discussing this on the Trek BBS. I'll, of course, I'll watch it. Star Trek is my thing. You know, I'm a Star Trek fan through and through. 
you know, some are not excited about it. And look, I mean, am I excited about the concept? No, not really. But as you and I were discussing the other day, it doesn't have, you know, you don't, you don't have to really sell me on the concept because you just, it's Star Trek, you've already got me. And it's like, look, if I don't like it, I won't watch it. It's, you know, I would hate there to be a Star Trek like series that I don't watch, but. I like some of those young adult focus shows. One of the, interestingly, one of the creators or the writers or whatever is from um, the Nancy Drew CW series, which mm. uh, was actually, I've only watched a few episodes, but it was pretty good for yeah. those types of oh. teams. And guess who's going to be on that show as a writer? Tawny Newsom. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. She's a comedian. Mm-hmm. Also, she's a comedian. so if she if she brings some like Mariner type of zest to that show, that would be amazing. Oh, wow, that's that. really cool. yeah. Someone to be in front of the camera. Yeah. I wonder if, but as like, seems um, you know, franchise. That's really cool. Is this going to be a Michelle Paradise show? I hope not. <laughs> as I often say, writers, you know, don't get any. Yeah. All right. Credit or attention. Well. So we'll look forward to all those things, uh, including the ending of Discovery. But um, let's get into Picard, episodes two through seven. So we've learned a lot since we last talked about the show. So I was trying to think, I was thinking this morning, like, what did we know when we were last talking? And we really knew nothing. We didn't even know that the kid that we saw at the end of C- of episode one was Picard's son. So the regular, was... the regular, we should have known the second we saw him. Right. Right. So exactly like. how, so in a, I mean, we're doing a, in a way we're doing a kind of mid season uh, recap here and review. So, but we're going to try to discuss it sort of as an episode, as we've done in the past season, the format. So I'm just going to throw it out there so far. Right. How are you both feeling? Because we've got three episodes left, right? Just the story in general, where it's gone, where it's taken us, where we are now. What do you think? How are you feeling about it? Can I be the first one to go, given that I'm the newbie? Yes. So, I, it's, I feel itchy about this whole thing because I'm online like everybody love it they all love it everybody every person I in my feed is like oh my god it's the best thing ever thank you god for giving us this yep and I'm watching this fresh off three different seasons of Star Trek and I just feel frustrated because I feel like there is something wrong with me that I'm hating every other minute of it and just to clarify, when Julia says fresh off three different seasons of Star Trek, what she means is that she's watched The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager in the last, how long? Six months? That is Seven. that yeah. is quite a commitment, too. Yeah, and I commented on this last time. So is it... Well, that's quite a transition. So, like, you did... Is it that you don't like it, or is it that you're kind of... Are you frustrated with the way... Because it's so radically different from the other ones in terms of like how whether it's the pacing or just like what what is it is literally everything like the more i was watching the more i felt like this is very similar to first contact a stone right and epicness Mm. and 
Star Trek has never been that dramatic. Like, it has, but not like that. Not like right. tonight is the night and we only have tonight kind of attitude. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, this is the moment. It's it's. It does a little of what Discovery does in that it's that, it's that constant, it's that ticking clock. It's that we only have, we can only, you know, we can only do it. We've yeah, got to do it, but yeah. Fate of the universe is, is at yeah. stake. Right. And when that or in this case, every, Frontier Day, but yes. When that happens every season of every show, mm. it, it starts to get a little tired. It, it feels like right. all of these people have histrionic personality disorder and they are at the center of the world and... If this one person goes down, everything goes down. Right, right. Which says it, which, which calls, like, which in a way, like, calls into question. You change this one person and then it has these massive shockwaves. I mean, it's. First of all, yes. Now, is it the fate of the galaxy? No, is it the. But. It's sort of like the next thing, right? It's like if it's not the galaxy, then it's the Federation, right? It's always yeah, yeah. the stakes are always big, right? Yeah, always. the entire Federation is right. compromised. That's huge. And I think so. That's just an old trope that they just love to pull out every single time, and we know that it's not going to. We know that that's not going to change. That's not what any of the Star Trek that she's watched has right. been about, except maybe like the end of right nine of it. Well, I mean, with the end of Deep Space Nine, it was, you know, the Dominion War. And I mean, there were times where like, even though they may say, you know, the fate of the galaxy is not, they don't say that specifically. It's like, but if we lose the war, then the Dominion sort of controls everything. It's more of an orchestra thing. Yeah, like that's. There is such a a concentration and obsession with the same circle of characters. Uh Uh-huh. And at some point in my notes, I wrote down, is Picard the only admiral? <laughs> right. There's, 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 a, there's a term for this. Um, and they call it in, in Star Trek, they call it small universe or, or small universe syndrome, where it always seems like these big sort of galactic stakes only seem to revolve and around this set group of characters. Like there's no other. And just in that moment, Right that only these people can fix it and only mm-hmm. these people can stop it. So yeah. it is interesting because even when we've gotten these battles before where you have lots yeah. of ships and they kind of make it yeah. seem bigger than it is, mm-hmm. but it does seem like particularly in Picard, they've always just w- w- like whittled it down to like this small group of people, even in the first season where it was, right. cause he was on the outside. So that worked really well. Right. But now it's, it's like, well, everybody else is probably um, a changeling, so it's only them. Well, and so let me just kind of give my... So my feeling on this whole season is that now I love what I'm seeing. I I am enjoying it. I really am. There's been some things that I just thought, like, I don't really like the decision they made there. I don't like that. I don't like that choice. I don't like that one. But overall, I'm enjoying it, and I'm really into it. And as Julia, to kind of echo what Julia was um, kind of quoting, like it's an amazing people, you know, fans saying, we love this. We're so glad the TNG cast is back. We love, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, and I'm seeing a lot of those same reactions from people as well. That seeing the next gen cast, seeing all this legacy stuff again, seeing 
the familiarity, seeing, yes, it's great, but here's, here's my issue with all of that. Because you have these people saying, like, you know, this is what they should have been doing from the beginning, this is what they should have... And I'm saying, no, this is, like, this is, this to me, there's nothing... Again, as much as I'm enjoying, I love the season, I love seeing everything, but and as much as I'm enjoying all of it and seeing all these characters again, this is not something original. Like, this is not what the future of Trek is. In other words, to those people who are saying, like, this is what they should have been doing all along, this is what they should just keep doing, it's like, this is Trek living in the past. This is this, this is. Up trying to appease those people who just can't get, who just don't want to watch Trek beyond the or the Rick Berman era of Star Trek, which is the era that you've been watching, Julia. And so, on looking at it that way, I just I don't think that this is what Star Trek should be should do moving forward. It's great to see them all again. It really is. And, and giving the TNG cast the proper send-off. But this is not what I feel Star Trek needs to be doing. And I'll go back to my, what I always yeah. say. It's a good story. It's a good season. I don't care who's there. Yes. Um, of course, if you're going to have those people, you want to use the fact of the relationships and all that, which I right. think they're doing, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, it's strange. This season, I feel like when I think about the story, kind of just the, on the plot level, I think I kind of like it. You know, I want to see where it's going. I'm, it's fine. Yes. It's thing. But then when i watching individual episodes, a lot of times I kind of am critiquing more than I'm enjoying it. And even some of the... I, right. I, I would admit this last season, seven, I think I liked more than... A lot of them. Yep. Um, and yeah. I think one of the best reasons is because now that we have the villain revealed, or the sub-villain, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's because the melty face is the main villain. Yep, whoever the fuck that is, yeah. Right, but yeah. I really like, you know, the best villains always are the ones that you understand why they're doing it, and they have a good point. And yep. clearly, um, what what is... Vatic. Yes, Vatic has a very good reason after seeing what um, Section 31 did to her people and then right. specifically her and the other ones they had that they were torturing and turning right. into these uh, spy weapons. Yeah. So that was all kind of nice, honestly. Um, she, we, I don't, I don't understand their plan and mm. I think it's hard to critique it at this point, but the plan... Right. I do think that it's not what we think because it seems that when Picard said, oh, you're going to like create a me version of me, that it right. didn't seem to be the right thing, but none of it really makes any sense. Well, and, and that particular aspect, now this goes back to me saying that they're not doing anything original, right? In a way. Think of it. They're using the Changelings, the Dominion. Okay, that's... And they're playing with DS9's toys, right? But I do like that they're... They're going somewhere else with it. They're going somewhere else with it, but it, but even then, the i the 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 fear that is this person a changing is that thing a change is that person a changing? I mean that takes you right back to season three of DS Nine onward, right? The thing here is that they have taken over the Federation. All right, they have right. Um, it's almost 
that's not even that's off to the side. It's right. not even a major part of this story. The fact that they have completely infiltrated defended from what we can tell. Right. Well, and that's the other thing too, right? The sh- seven at one point when she's talking to Tuvok, making an unexpected cameo, says that they have infiltrated you know people in key positions. But even then, that's not. We don't really have a sense of like how many people that actually is. Um, I think what we learned about Vatic in the most recent episode, it's to me, it seems like it could potentially be less than I thought. Like I thought it was like potentially overwhelming, overwhelming, but it's like, it's a, it's some changelings that sort of splintered off from the great link. And to me, the show, I feel like the show is sort of suggesting that it's, that it's only a small number of them, but I could be, I could be interpreting that incorrectly, but it doesn't feel like, I don't feel like everybody in Starfleet's a changeling, right? Find that because say that again. At least make the characters not being sure. Yeah, part of it because they don't seem. I don't know. It just seems like that's for such a big deal. It mm-hmm. seems very much a, a, not even a B story, like a D story. Right. I, at first, um, it feels like. Wonder, what is their plan? Because it's not just to create a Picard. It's not just to ruin right fleet day or whatever. Right. But see, that's also another issue, right? They're also lifting story points from Nemesis because that was the that's what they that's what that was the original plan in Nemesis. Well, not in Nemesis, but they reveal that that's what they were. That's how Shinzon came to be because there was a point. There was a plan at one point to clone Picard and replace him, and that's not even being a changing, right? But it's the I same idea. Say again. I think that's direct. That's not the plan. You that's think that's true. right? What would be the point? They already have people everywhere. They can right. just take over Janeway. They right. can just make a Janeway and then they'd be fine. Well, they're theorizing that that's what it could be and Vatic doesn't really say yes or no. Um, right. But even then, if you have people in... It's kind of to Julia's point. Like, it's, is is Picard the only Admiral? Like, why, like as, let's assume for the moment, for the sake of argument, that that does turn out to be the plan. What does Picard have that an that an, other admirals do not, or people even right. in higher rank. Like, why, why him? He's a retired admiral. At that, there must right. be active admirals that have more club yeah. than him. So it's it's right. So we're in, uh, we're still in a bit of a holding pattern. We've learned some things about that, but I'm with you. Like, we still don't really have this great sense of what the overall plan is. Like, something is going to happen, potentially happen at Frontier Day, right? We still have the business of there's another weapon that was stolen as a distraction. We saw it demonstrated, but we don't we have not seen that weapon really used again beyond like some battles in that nebula. So, and I worry that we're kind of get we're kind of going to be in a whole all eggs in one basket situation again in the finale where they just sort of like use it to reveal everything. Mm, so. Yeah, but you're right. I have no sense of like what the greater threat really is yet. No. So the things that we don't know are like what's Jack's deal? Right. Why can he? Well, they. So well, let's speculate. There's that we can't speculate. We have enough. Let's speculate. Yeah. Because yeah. I have so much to say about that. When they when when Vatic says, uh, "Jackie boy, it's time to find out who you really are," or whatever. Um, you almost made her sound Bostonian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Carla. Jackie, um, what you are? Then, um, right. So, 
Well, so what? That's it. They, she knows what he is, and he doesn't, which must mean that those right. changelings created him, mm-hmm. stuck him into into uh, uh, Crusher's womb. Yep. It's an immaculate conception. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he has Jesus these. Christ. He has. He has these very strange. He has these very strange visions. He seems to have the ability to. Finger things. We saw in this re- most recent episode, he can somehow now transfer whatever power he has, his red eyes, into somebody else and control them to battle. So it's like. It's unlike anything we've seen. So it's very. Like, I don't even know what to think there. It's just, that doesn't help me give me a better picture of what the changelings want with him. Unless but, yeah. he is a, just like the chain, just like the Section 31 made these better weapon mm. changelings. Maybe he is the, quote, better weapon human that they can control. Though that's the plan. So they failed hard since the very beginning, given how compliant he is. Well, I think, I think in a way he's sort of, he's the one who is really the true threat to them. Like he's the one who could potentially even bring them down in some way, and he's the only one, and they have to try to get him. Or some, it could be something like that. Like, or he's got something that they need, and. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. yes. Yeah. But still, he, re- he goes back to the point of like, this world is too small. Mm-hmm. Like, did you really need a Picard's jeans to do it and then mess everything around? It's such a yeah. Nitpicky. But maybe he doesn't actually have Picard's jeans. If... But they said that he does, though, because this is son. Well, so what do you? Well, let's just cover this then. What do you think of the speculation that who, of who the melty head guy is? I I actually have not been following what that speculation it's the is. Trash bag monster that killed Tasha Yar. Oh God, that would be so. <laughs> that it's Armus? No. First, then my no. theory that the arch enemy of the situation is a uh, uh, broccoli Barclay. Listen, I am. I am more than happy that Armis's last appearance was on Lower Decks, that they were prank calling him. That's where I want to leave it. And I don't want this to be Armis. Absolutely not. So That's one of the theory one of the theories out there. Why? Because he's liquidy. I mean you could you could I think there was even there may have even been a theory at one time that Armis was a changeling because of just his gooey Oh, see? Yeah. Like years ago, but that did not turn out to be the case. But knowing how they like to connect everything, it would not surprise me if they decided to establish that at some point. I don't buy that theory. I don't think I don't I don't I don't believe that. So Also, the thing where they put Jordy's daughters mm. in the show and then Jordy's daughter is involved with supposedly Picard's son. Yeah. And that was also another thing. It's too much. It's too much. Please, writers. This is what happens when you tell a serialized story, though, unfortunately. You just have a lot of these elements. So I think, for me, just story-wise, um, holding pattern still. We have three episodes left to find out. But I still think that 
I'm the most engaged in this in this season of Picard as I have been previous ones. I, I will not um, deny that one bit. I'm on board. I love it. I'm enjoying it. There are particular moments that I do want to get into a little bit more detail on, but overall, I'm I'm I do like where it's going. One thing that's interesting to you notice know, is that one of the things that is taken up a large chunk of this season that we have not touched on at all is this whole what are they in a nebula yes or they were yeah whole nebula yeah. thing i mean it's fine they got to do something but i don't it was i don't really care <laughs> they got out of the nebula it was hard well they were in there for like four episodes and i think by the yeah. fourth or i think it was four or five the, yeah. ep- the 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 episode just before they got out i said to, i remember saying at one point okay i think we need to we need to get out of here now like we've been in here long enough <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So they go to Daystrom because they have to investigate and find oh, out. I know you cannot wait to talk about this. Is they have to find out um, what they really stole because they said it was just right. a decoy. Right. The portal one was just a decoy. Right. So my major problem is that <laughs> why is Daystrom's storage facility feel more like a haunted house? Right. And, <laughs> Now, they didn't put in a line to explain this, but there's no reason that they would have Moriarty as the security. So, mm-hmm. you know, their most prized, you know, secret technologies and whatnot. You, so the thing is, you have a an older gentleman with a pistol. Right. An AI older gentleman with a pistol is right. your uh, security. Now, he was easy to crack. Now, they, they put in a line to clean this up because <sighs> what do you think it? Yeah. Oh, but why would they put in a security system that if you solve a simple puzzle, you can have access to everything? Right. He said that he malfunctioned when he saw people he knew, which was the proof. So, all right. Even if I accept that. It was, it just, it was, it went so, it was such a stretch to get more. It was, right. Some, and it was so pointless. And I didn't buy it all that that was. But I think even a stretch to establish what they had to whistle they just show us flashbacks from Encounter at Farpoint. And I'm saying, just... Yeah, that was strange. Just it say it. good in the super high def. Sure. <laughs> you know, we advanced so much as a society that there could have been the problem of not recognizing up goes the weasel. Well, because... I... Here's... <laughs> here's, my... here's why I have a problem with it, okay? I... For, well, two reasons. It's a member berry, which I fucking hate. Useless, you know. I hate when they do these things. I can't remember that. But also, we we've been down. We were down this road exactly at the end of Nemesis when Data died, and Riker was recalling when I first met Data. He was in the holodeck. He was trying to whistle. I couldn't remember what that song was. Right, and they just kind of do a slow camera pull into Jean Luc as Riker's telling the story, and it's like you don't need. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, yes, you're talking about the scene in Encounter of Opera when he's whistling Pop Goes the Weasel, right? That's all you needed to do. I don't need to see it in order to understand it. Because I think there were moments throughout the season where you could have leveraged a flashback, right? Shaw's amazing monologue about Wolf 359. Quick glimpses from the pilot of Emissary where you're seeing the battle. That might that may have been a, that would have been a great idea. Right. But that I don't think that that to me was really indicative of like show this show doing these pointless 
hollow member berries just for the sake of like, hey, remember that? Like, we're Star Trek fans. Y- yes, we, yeah. we know. You just have to say I it. I forgot about that, that scene. That just goes so that episode was even more of a mess than I remembered it being. Oh, the, the uh, flashback to Encounter Five Point? Yeah, well, just the whole episode was a mess because I'd forgotten about that. It, uh, <laughs> well, it was such a mess. It was a heist episode. Well, I, I, and I was going to, I was going to say with you, like, and even I was going to add when you were talking about why is Daystrom Station like a haunted house, the thing I was going to add is like, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a place that stores the most secretive experimental technology and, and yet everything is on display like it's a museum. Right. And it's also in the middle of nowhere space. Right. Which also doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, it would have been more secure if they just had all that stuff in the actual Daystrom that we've seen before. Right. Uh, in the first season. Right. Because then there's people all over the place. If someone tried to break in, you'd know about it. But they're talking about how Daystrom Station is like storing all this technology, and yet we've got the remains of Jean Luc Picard, the remain like what the remains of James T. Kirk. Like, why is that there? Yes. That's not technology. Every captain, every dead captain. I mean, that's the, yeah. No, you know. They could have done this in a better way. Listen, 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 listen. Remember that guy that purchases, that steals uh, data? Yes. So wouldn't it be so much better if they were trying, they they, they didn't have any access to mm-hmm. anything Starfleet and they getting you know they, they they get to know that the, this guy is still alive and he has some stuff and then they go and they actually find all this shit like that he actually owns you're talking about uh, uh bruce maddox from measure of man no 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 the the, the guy that steals data the 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 the, the what is it, an art merchant, an art collector? Oh, oh, yes, the most toys. Yes, I don't. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you know, it would have been silly, but it would have been cool. And you know how they use the, um, uh, what's the name? Of the guy played by Sal. The actor's name is Sal Rubinek. I forget the character's name, but yeah, I know exactly the episode you're talking about. Yep. So yeah, you know the what's the name of them? The the aliens with the lobes. Ferengi. Yeah, so you know how they took the Ferengi mm-hmm. and they made him, Ethan made it, made this point that they made him more realistic than yep. usual because usually they are more comedic, but this guy is actually a monster mm-hmm. through and through. So it would have been cool if they actually took this guy that was comedic and he was kind of silly and then that's a mumbleberry. And he made more, it would have made more sense to find this actual weird, weird, messed up stuff mm-hmm. in a contraband of some very rich person in very, you know, and he would have connected well, even with um, Rafi's time, like um, storyline. Yeah. I of, see. I yes. Know. Because no, here's why, though. And I think I agree with you because the. Daystrom Station, full of member berries for us fans, but in the world of the show, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to have it set up that way. So, and the logic of the world, it's it's set up clearly just for us to be like, oh yeah, look at that, remember this, oh, that's great. But in the context of the world, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. 
setting it up the way you just mentioned makes more sense. And it's a, it's even though it's still a member berry, it makes sense within the context of the world that it's being set in. So yes, yes, it'd be a weird decision, but it still makes sense. It would have still had more sense than this. Yeah, that was a very, and I think that episode is in an otherwise good season. And everyone, you know, from what I've seen, all the episodes have been getting positive reviews. But even that one is sort of like considered to be uh, maybe among the weakest of the season because it just, again, it just it's set up in such a way that really makes no sense in the context of the world that it's set in. But juxtaposing that with the Starfleet Museum, which I really liked, there were some nice moments there. We got to see what became of the Enterprise A from the films. We saw that Vo- we saw Voyager again for the first time in a long time. We saw the Defiant again. We found out what happened to the Klingon HMS Bounty vessel from Star Trek IV, the voyage home. Mm, you fished it out of San Francisco Bay. It was tough to find because the cloaking device reactivated. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, um, but sorry, I just one last thing on Day Station, unless you had more to say. But I said to you, I said, what they experienced on Daystrom Station, I feel like should have been done on Lower Decks because Lower Decks would have played the whole thing for laughs and it would have been great. It wouldn't have been a lot of plays either. It, no. It sense to have all those things on display. I wouldn't have questioned it. Right. But as it was, it just, it was just silly. It was silly. It was very, very silly. It was, it was set up like a museum when it should not have been. Like, yeah, I think so I even said, he was going after them. I mean, he had a revolver. Right. You know, you know what Daystrom Station should have been, and I think I said this to you. Like a normal ass place with like regular security, like everywhere well, else in Starfleet probably it, has. It should have been the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Put just that whole room of boxes, and like just like yeah, that. That's a warehouse, like a, a warehouse type of thing. Like it should have been. Yeah, that should have been yeah. right. Exactly. That's what it yeah, should have been. Nothing on a bunch of dead captains. Right. Right. So that that didn't really work for me at all. So no, but I, I, the only thing is, I'm, I'm very it's very merciful that um, Moriarty's involvement mm. was so short. I do want to ask this question though, because I this goes back to when the when the trailers for this season initially came out. One of the things I speculated on in one of our earlier episodes was I feel like they're going to take the opportunity based on what we had seen to take some sort of low hanging fruit plots from TNG and resolve them if they can. And I feel like they, or just in general, and I feel like they were kind of doing that. With Be- Moriarty? Well, not with Moriarty, maybe a little bit, but more so with now commander Ro. Ro Laren made oh. a return. Let's talk about yeah, it. I want to talk here. I want to talk Julia about this. Julia's yeah. ready. So mm. first, Roll betrayed the Federation again and went bye bye. Mm-hmm. And now she's a commander. Like fool me once. Shame, Shame on, me. on me. Fool me twice. <laughs> well, I think as you know what she probably did something heroic off screen and she gets reinstated as as you always do in the Federation. As long as you do something good. 
right. Now, Forgive my you. second problem. Save, like, save the day? Yes. Hear <laughs> yeah. me out. Yes. So suddenly, he has this super neat relationship with Jean-Luc. And they're on a first name basis, right? And she's on a first name basis with everybody. Yeah. But, but Jorans go by last name first. They do. So everyone, she's on a first name basis with everybody, and everybody is on a last name basis with her. And I think the writer forgot about it. I, when I first saw her after this episode, I thought, now, I don't get me wrong. I was glad to see her. I liked that she. It, I could give two shits about Ro. I'm happy she's alive. I'm happy she's having a career. Mm, mm. I'm happy she got a nose job to look more human than she I was. I know. She looked less pejorant. I did notice that, yeah. yeah. But. Why is playing down all the face, uh, you know, attachments? Why what? It seems like all the the facial appendages, you know, like mm. the the alien, yeah, yeah. whatever, they all seem to be way toned down on this show. Right, but everything else, I, I think, I I was glad to see her. Right, but I, I will say this: glad her story got some resolution. But it was not a story that I felt like I was not chomping at the bit, saying, "When is this Roe Laren story going to get resolved?" Right, I didn't. It wasn't something I felt like I needed. Now. My initial reaction was, I don't think that needed to be Roe. That could have been anybody. But I kind of changed my tune a little bit because after watching that episode and saying that, I actually went back and watched the Next Generation episode that she was introduced in because I hadn't seen it in a long time. So I can sort of understand why they did it. And you could sort of go either way, right? Like it's like, well, what does it hurt if it actually is her? It doesn't, it's not really a big deal. And it does add one nice element, just like when we saw Tuvok, where like then you have that moment yeah. of trying to figure out if right, really- right, and exactly right. So it didn't hurt anything. It's like why not? And I thought if you can bring some resolution to Rose's story while also advancing your plot line a little bit, your story, your season long story arc for a bit, fine. I, I think I think it worked. I sort of changed my mind a little bit on that. So it was nice to see her there. I was glad to see them again. And I liked that moment that she had with Picard at the end when she said, because Picard was upset with her for betraying Starfleet. And she said, you know, look, I want you to, you know, like I only did what I thought was right. Because at that time, you know, to be clear, she's leaving the Federation to join the Maquis. And that's sort of the setting up of what we saw on Voyager, setting up the conflict for the Maquis to come on to Voyager and setting that whole thing up. So I, I, I get it. Like I, 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 that all worked for me really well. And, you know, if it wasn't Roe, who else would that be? Yeah. O'Brien? I mean, I, it's just... It's, <laughs> Too much over I thought it worked fine. I thought it, I thought it worked. I, I actually, I thought it worked. There you go. I just felt it weird as it was. Yeah. Because I felt like this confrontation between two of them mm-hmm. is something that it happened would have happened a long time yeah. before Ro actually became a higher up. Right. To be honest. And also she 
didn't have that kind of relationship with Picard. So it doesn't make any sense that she has it now if they're actually coming to term with fixing their relationship, quote-unquote. Well, and Picard didn't have relationships with many people at all. Well, I get a sense of that in the first episode that she was... Poker with them at the end, okay. I get a I get a sense of that from the first episode that she's in with ne- Next Generation, but there there was not really like an ongoing like mentor mentee relationship between the two of them, right? It was kind of like you know if you're gonna stay on my ship, you must you know. But that's yeah. right, Great. right. But that's kind of as far as it went, right? How so, far as he went with most people, right? Now, when Voy- on Voyager, when they reveal what happened to the Maquis as a result of, of the Dominion War, it did make me wonder, like, well, yeah, what happened to Ensign Rowe? I wonder about that. Um, but, so, it was kind of floating out there in the ether a little bit. It, I, again, it, I don't think it was something that I really felt needed to be answered. I mean, I was getting along fine without it. But if the show wanted to take a moment and just establish that, just in dialogue between the two of them, that's fine. Uh, you know, it, it it did its job for me, and I think it worked. It was not something that required an entire episode to be fleshed out, right? It was just a, it was just a, it was just a few a few moments at the end of a, uh, at the end of the episode, and I thought I thought it worked fine for me. I, I didn't have a problem with it. The other one, though, because now this one is almost the opposite in a way of so Tuvok now that appearance was um was interesting as well but Tuvok um also an effective appearance but used differently because it wasn't actually Tuvok that was good I like that a lot yeah it it really made me appreciate Tim Russ as the character. I often feel like I don't give him enough credit for how good he really is as this character and how good he is at playing a Vulcan. He's fantastic. One of my favorite. He's so good. It's it's a tough position to be a Vulcan and be a TV show where you actually have to do something. Right. And having dramatic moments and Mm -hmm. it it, it does the job. It's, you know what it was? But it seems like an easy job for an actor, but I mean, it's very hard because you have to underplay everything. Everything is subtle. Everything is underplayed, 100%. And what I loved about it was it was that they fooled us. We were relieved. And then it was like, oh, no, wait a minute. It actually is. It was that it was that very gradual smirk that just came over his face. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, because. It oh, it was it was done to very good effect. Yeah. I I played the you know mustache trolling villain for a minute. Well, and I did say to you at one point, I said, you know, I'm a little not frustrated, but I'm like, I said to myself, I wish Seven would at least, with all this going on, even if it's just in dialogue, say, I hope Voyager, the crew of Voyager, is okay. Like my. You know, making some reference to her crew, hoping that they're fine. I mean, she dropped Admiral Janeway a couple of times in in dialogue. Um, everyone seems to think that Janeway is going to make an appearance by the end of the show. 
So it was nice that they, they did sort of establish the connection more between Seven and um, her cast. Uh, I was spoiled by that um, because Tim Russ did appear on the ready room. And there was actually a lot of fans angry about this. So when whoever the guest is on the ready room, it's used as the thumbnail when they post the episode on Twitter, when they post it on YouTube. So Tim Russ's face is right there. And so, and I, I saw it when I was like checking my, my Twitter feed for something because I had gotten a few notifications. And look, you can give me grief and say I should know better and not go on social media. But it's like, all right, I got spoiled from the official source. Like, like you at least you got to use a little bit of discretion here, Paramount, because for fuck's sake. And also those people who don't get the episode overseas at the same time we do, they see that as well. And so... I'm like, well, I guess two fucks in the episode now. I didn't know in what capacity, but I saw Tim Russ's face in the ready room, and I was so angry. I was so upset that that that, that got spoiled. Yeah, well, I guess it wasn't him. But apparently, though, I guess, uh, well, yeah, because we don't, because it ends up not being the real Tuvok, and he, you know, makes reference to the real Tuvok. But I guess Tim Russ had said someplace that he is going to be back again. So um, we'll see. But that was also a nice cameo. So. Um, mm -hmm. I think the last thing I will say as far as like you know things about the season I really liked as well this is a particular moment I wanted to call it I made reference to it earlier um, Shaw's monologue for the Battle of Wolf 359 um, a few episodes back so going back to the first episode of the season, we had kind of speculated there was a little bit like, why is Shaw so like weird toward the Borg? Why is he so making seven go by her real name, treating Picard like, you know, make, make we had called attention to the fact that he was like making these sort of like off the cuff judgmental Borg comments. And we were like, I wonder what the deal is there. And I think there had been some, I kind of spun a theory that maybe it was he, was he at Wolf three, five, nine, did he lose his parents in Wolf 359? Something like that. And it turns out he was an engineer, a low-level engineer in Wolf 359. And when he delivers that speech, recalling the events, and you just hear the sound effects being played very subtly in the background as he's talking, um, I, I thought it was extremely, extremely effective. I really liked that scene. That was a... You know, you, you draw comparisons to Quint making the USS Indianapolis, Indianapolis speech in Jaws. And you find out that Captain Shaw shares Quint, the actor who plays Quint in Jaws, is named Robert Shaw. That's not a coincidence. That's actually a little intentional. So I thought that was a, I thought that was a fantastic moment. And I've really come around on the character Shaw. I do like him a lot. He's, you know gone back and forth sometimes he like i sometimes i like him sometimes i don't like him but when i feel that way about a character i think that means that they've been successful in establishing a good character because sometimes i like them and sometimes i don't like them i can't really decide it just i think i, I, I do think that was an effective um yeah that was a good scene yeah i do i i do think it's mm, i just don't get people even even cisco where like they're kind of pissed at Picard, they know how board work. They know that they take you over. They have no choice. How can anyone have a personal animus toward Picard for being turned into a board? Right. And, and you know, and feel like blaming him. I never. 
that always bugs me because I feel like they're supposed to be so much more um, uh, advanced in their thinking. Although I believe that a lot of people might blame Picard for the existence of the Borg in the Alpha Quadrant because before Picard, it was more of a legend or something that's not really there. And then he messes around with a deity and <laughs> suddenly we have a Borg problem. That's true. If there were enough Q got interested in Picard. I understand, but I think your point about like people should, you know, we're supposed to be more evolved, we should understand. I think, but that's also a case of the sort of Roddenberry doctrine of like, we have to have perfect humans, but then if we have perfect humans, you can't write drama. And, and everyone, the thing is like, after that, at first, after that scene, everyone's like, well, clearly he's unstable and shouldn't be the captain of the ship. I'm like, you know, he wasn't carrying the trauma around and making that and saying that monologue every t every chance he got. Picard's presence clearly brought that out in him. It in was not. Level, he also had a. Uh, his number one was also is also a former Borg. Right. That was not a great move. Right, but captains, as we've seen in Star Trek, choose their crews, and so he uh, he made that choice. Maybe right. just so he can treat her like shit, though. I, using it, just have a good time. Possibly. Possibly. But the point I keep making was like, okay, but they gave, after Picard was taken from the Borg and, and recovered, they gave him, there was no, like, you know, study over, like, you know, are there any long-lasting effects? They just put him right back in command right away because they had a mission to go to the next week. That's true. You know, or, well, the week after, the following, the, not the next week, but the week after that, so... It's Although, like, also, that is not good practice, I must say. What is it? It's not good practice on, mm. on a institution like the Federation of doing such damage, considering the, you know, all the protocols they have in place for all mm -hmm. these things, and then they just mess up people with the Borg situation by sending them back with PTSD right away. Right. It's 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 an interesting approach they had to this specific instance that yeah. makes you wonder. Yeah, you figure they could have they had a Vulcan around that could just mind meld with you and clear things up. Well, one would think. But there were no Vulcans on the uh as part of the main cast on Next Generation, so unfortunately. Um anything else? I know it's seven, it's six episodes of real or seven really if you want to count the first one again but of yeah. stuff. But I so feel like um, uh, nebula base that yeah well I think we've hit on all the big story points and where we are we so we've got three episodes left I think there's a lot of things how do you f both feel where we are at this point I mean do you feel like there's a lot to be answered for right now like do you feel like there's just too much out there there's too much out there or do you think is it because the stakes seem like they're so high? It feels like there's more questions that need to be answered than there really are. It feels like to me like maybe there's only a couple, and then that's kind of that's kind of it, right? I mean, am I? I personally feel like there are not enough questions that are pertinent. Yeah. The evolution of the story, mm. because they're throwing so much into this that sure there are questions, but 
at the moment, the main questions are not that pertinent with the story for me. Right. Or I have so many questions, like, why, why this, why that, how this, how that, and yeah. the main How does this, how, how does this small thing coexist with the larger, like, why are you, why are we, yeah, like, like I was saying before. The big story is not as interesting as why, why this. Why is why is Jack able to transfer some control into somebody else and control them remotely? Like, what is that all about? Like, or, or why does he see Stranger Thing? Right, and you're thinking to yourself, like, this is not the time for like. In a way, I I had this feeling on Discovery with a lot of things. I said we don't have time for this. We have bigger issues to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the red door. That's right. I forgot. I, I kind of put that out of my mind because it seems silly. <laughs> you kept saying to me like, "What's this red door? What's this red door shit?" Yeah. Well, I don't like it. It reminded me of it. Reminded me of, reminded me of it's something I would see on Discovery. Yes. Elena, ready? Smoke monster on Discovery. Yeah. It just I don't like it when they get metaphorical. It's it's not that kind of show. <laughs> they shouldn't have these visions of metaphors. You know. No. I, it doesn't work for me. Star Trek, Star Trek, by definition, is metaphorical. It's supposed to be metaphorical to what's happening today, not, not that kind of metaphorical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They don't see metaphors. You could make metaphors out of the real things they're experiencing, but it's not like symbolism. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I I think that there's plenty of time for them to wrap everything up, but I am afraid they're going to pull a discovery, and it's essentially going to be the last episode when everything will be revealed well the last season of Picard, i mean season season two finale of Picard did the same thing they just well yeah. then we know how we felt about season two right right uh, season one wasn't that way i mean season, season one, one was well it was, well, it was <laughs> the thing is it was but the thing is season one felt like it was building to something and by the time they didn't throw the story made progress every week and they were just they were they paced it out well it didn't feel like i never felt like in season one and i even i think i said this at the time i never felt like as we were nearing the end that there was not enough time there was a plot happening over there on the board cube and there's another one over there and we could just tell they were they were slowly making their way to intersect with one another yeah but they were not straying too far from the stories that they were telling and the tension and the drama that they were building and developing so yeah. I guess this one feels like it's stalled a little bit. Even though we've been getting reveals pretty consistently, it's still, yeah. it still feels like the progress is stalled. I think for me, like, when you do a story like this, and I, and I said this about Discovery, like, there has to be a point in your 10-episode season where, like, okay, by the time we get to episode 7, enough raising questions. Like, don't raise any more questions. Like, what's the threshold to stop doing that? And then, okay, yeah. now... We, we do get more questions because, of, yeah, now we're seeing him right eyes. It's like people are telepathically telling them how to fight. It's like, in a way, it feels like we're we're on the we're constantly on the rising action until the very, until the very end. And it's like, what did I say? The in a way, the climax and the falling action. These shows tend to roll into one. Yeah, they, it happens very quickly. That'd be crazy. And I always use Game of Thrones as a good example. Where Game of Thrones, the big battle or the big confrontation would always be the second to last episode. Right. And then the last episode would be the impact of it and the fallout and how it affects everybody. Right. And see, and that's why, see, I'm glad you mentioned that because when you think of the, 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 the best of both worlds episode where Picard's assimilated by the Borg, I think what 
it's always those two episodes, but I, I always have to say, like, it, no, it's a three-part episode, because the episode after that deals with the aftermath of it all. And that is was very effective. And so, in a way, I feel like we need that episode to kind of, like, to kind of, like, take up, so we can just sort of, like, breathe. And yeah, just, we'll yeah. Big final confrontation, whatever it is, and then we'll get 15 or 20 minutes for, like, the goodbye to the every character. Right. And, you know, as Discovery likes to do, the, the, they get home just in, there was one review I saw that said it for season four of Discovery, they're like, oh yeah, and after all that, they get back to Earth, they get back to Starfleet headquarters just in time for tea and medals. <laughs> and, for, and for Burnham's, like, uh, you know, the congratulatory, you know, hugging and Burnham's voiceover, like, that's, it's like, it's like without fail, they're going to hit on that every single time. So. I, um, it's interesting, in this talk, to, to, talking about this mm. the whole it really is the universe in peril that is always making it difficult for me to fully embrace this season. well because unless they pull the rug pull the rug out from underneath us which i doubt they will it's gonna be status quo when all is said and done when it's all resolved right so it's like the universe is not gonna end the federation's not going to be destroyed right we know that because the discoveries in the 32nd century the burn does not happen for years so there's nothing i just yeah we also know in every next gen episode like they're really not going to get just crushed by the nebula right well and that's also not a great way to end the next generation you know story or the series you don't want to end you want to end on a high note Right, you want to go out on a high note, and that's—I assume—that's what they're going to do. Yeah. So I—I'm not—I'm not frustrated about that element like you are. I mean, I'm sick of it. It's not surprising that they're doing it, but I—it's because I know they're not going to actually follow through with that. With that, it's just—it's gonna—they're gonna resolve it, and everything's gonna be fine. Somebody pointed out to me one time when I was, you know complaining about that trope they said well it's not really about me at this point it's not really about will they get out of it it's how they get out of it and i can kind of get on board with that but even then that doesn't really change it for me it's like i'm not but i'm, I'm not really interested in that that's not that's not what's dramatic for me yeah how they get out just, of it. Yeah. it yeah i mean as i said i think the stakes are so high and they mix them up mm -hmm. with so much personal drama all in the same place that is just really hard to grasp with anything yeah because it's like it's like in um what's the name of the episode the one where picard gets stuck in the elevator disaster yes yeah, so it's like in disaster and it's in rose like episode in disaster, we are following all these different things that are all related because they are on the same ship mm -hmm. but they're all separate stories that don't have anything to deal with each other they all have their own stakes and it would have been very stupid to see the amount of emotional engagement and drama mm -hmm. in picard as if he were o'brien that's having a baby that's having a baby on the on the other side of the ship if he still exists yep like like it's you are now you can have all of these things 
but you can't have everything everywhere all at once, all at once <laughs> the whole time yes that's interesting because having watched as much discovery more than you have julia i see this and i think oh they finally they've they've taken the emotional level down we you know it's funny you we were saying like if this were an, if this were a season of discovery this would be a great season we'd be like wow yeah we were thinking it was amazing yeah they they've got their shit got their shit together um the beautiful is not Star Trek anymore. Right. It's the, and the beautiful in space. I mean, look, it's not. It's. I'm. I'm not saying it's a bad season. I, I'm not saying that at all. I'm. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I like it quite a bit. I think it's the strongest. Well, it's hard to say because it just feels like a totally different show, right? It doesn't feel. It's hard to grade it against previous seasons. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I. I just think that there are there are just cre- decisions that creative decisions made that I just don't feel that they needed to do. I. I think I would have preferred something a little bit more original than to kind of like get out that list of greatest hits and you know kind of all right, let's do this one, let's do that one, and then try to do, and try to have a different way with it. You know, a lot of it is very much like yeah, I feel like I've been down this road before. It's a good road, but it's like. So that's kind of how I feel. It's like it's it's great to watch, but it, I think it, it's being more caught up in the whole sort of euphoria of just being with this cast again and just seeing them all in action again that sometimes it's hard to look beyond that and just look at it as a story. That's interesting. I, yeah. I think I haven't really felt that except yeah. when Jordy was begging data inside of lore to help him. That was the only time that I actually right. felt some moment of like, oh yeah, this is those characters that we've all known because right. I don't know, for some reason Crusher doesn't I'll tell you like uh, even then guys, think mm-hmm. about it. You're having this emotional moment mm-hmm. with Jordy basically bearing his body and soul to lore in order to get something yeah. to save his daughter. And all this is useless bullshit because meanwhile, Jack Crusher is remote mind melding right. with his right. daughter and saving the day at the same like well, see is this stake, high stakes and then there is well, nothing. In rewatching that episode today I thought to myself like the lore aspect of this is just a kind of unnecessary complication right now, at least, because he's not tied to Vatic in any way. This is just a un- this is like an unnecessary mini boss in the middle of this whole thing. Yeah, and he's sort of just like right. um, my best chances of getting out of here is if I help these people. Right, but I will say this because I'm glad you brought up that scene with Jordan because that was actually really good. Because because actually I didn't want to forget to make this point. That's a that's a moment. That I feel like I w- that that amount of emotional levity from Jordy, I don't feel like I would see that on the Next Generation, and I think that applies to a lot of scenes, or just overall with this cast. Because if you think about it, in a way, I'm looking at them differently. Their performances are a lot different. Like I think Jonathan Frakes is really, at least in the first half of the season, has been really great in the first half of the season. Like, really kind of, like, owning all of the scenes he's in. Like, he was, re- like, I-, I just kept observing, like, how good he was playing Riker in the early part of the season. And I'm realizing... 
older Lomatera family man Riker is a lot right. Better, I think. And I had also said to you in the beginning, like in watching the scenes in the first episode with Picard and Riker, I said, I feel like I'm not watching Picard and Riker. I feel like I'm watching Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes. Where I'm going with all of this is these characters are now doing things. They're now being portrayed in a way that we have not seen them before. They're not in. A, they're not on a ship in a command structure underneath Picard. They're all now back together as friends. So you have those moments of like the, those emotional moments from Jordy. What I was just saying about Picard and Riker. When Worf comes on board and Beverly hugs him and she says, I know you hate hugs. You didn't, you didn't see all that stuff on Next Generation. And it was because, I don't know if this is the reason, but it's like, if you think of it like it's them at work together. So they're sort of maintaining a sort of level of decorum and professionalism. But they're not a crew anymore. They're not serving together. Now they're just friends. And so you're able to get more out of them and see different things, different performances from them because they're not in that command structure anymore that may have not allowed for moments like that. Right. It also, the, the way the shows were treated, because yeah. like we've said, on Discovery, you get a lot of that. Right. There, there is no decorum. Right. Um, and even, even on, as much as I am loath to criticize it at all, but even on Strange New Worlds, it's not the same level of decorum as it was on the original series. Right. So I think it's just the way they've decided to write these shows is to make them more mm, casual and less militaristic. Or but if they had, been, I feel like if they had done moments on Next Generation with them being casual, it would have been weird. I guess I mean, they had to yeah. forward that a little bit. That's right. But any more than that, it, I felt like I, I think it would have been odd. Beauty. The only person that's never casual with anyone is Picard because it's Picard. He's emotionally. But yeah. that's my. But that's he's what. Not, he's that, not. He's not able to do it. That's what I'm kind of getting at, though. Like it used to be, he's up there and Riker's sort of down here, and now they're sort of like they're on the same level because he Riker can now talk to him as a friend instead of rather than just being his captain. So like those scenes in the turbo lift when he's talking about Jack and he's saying like, "Tell me." That you don't see what I see. Like, I'm saying Riker would have never said that to Picard in the oh. Next Generation. The way he's talking to him, he never would have talked to him like that on Next Generation, even when they were off duty. Number one. Right. Even off duty, though, because even when you're off duty, though, you're still in that command structure. You're still serving on the same ship. It's like, it's like me, it's like going to lunch with somebody at work. You're still maintaining that level of professionalism with each other, right? Yeah, but I'm not arguing that yeah. on Riker's side. I'm arguing that I sincerely believe that Picard is not the kind of person that mm -hmm. will be able to participate emotionally right. in any of that. Because he never showed it, even in his personal life in the past. Like, right. he, he has this, like, he, he's the most Vulcan of TNG. <laughs> yeah, the word I want to say is stoic. Well, yeah, he's stoic, yeah. but like, yeah. to the point where it's a bit, I don't know, pathological. He, or he, he's very stiff upper lip. He's very British in that way. I guess. Yeah. 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 So basically, what I notice is that his Picardness evaporated 
and I I just see this very senile Picard that suddenly <laughs> has emotions and interacts with people too much. I gotta assume he grew emotionally at some point between Next Generation. But is it growing or is it decaying? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's having that dog in season one and two. It's having a you know having oh, yeah. that that good boy. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to the pit bull? I don't know. I, I you know that pit bulls are changing. I'm gonna fucking laugh my laugh my ass off. I'll tell you that much. I took the pit bull to uh, wherever yeah. she's going. All right. Well, once again, so three episodes left in the season. As we wrap this up, any predictions? No matter how harebrained they may seem. Predictions, hopes, anything like that. Nana Visitor comes back for something and saves the day. I think that that's the thing. I think if you leverage anybody from DS9, it would be her. Because I feel like if Renee Aubergenois was still alive, I, I, I actually believe he would have taken part in this season in some way. It's too I bad think, because if there ever were a role that you could very easily recast, it would be that one just because of all the crap on his face. Yeah, but it's... I, I don't know. Could, but I think... I, I agree, Julia. I think because if you're going to bring off somebody from DS9, like, who the fuck else would it be? Right? And I think she would be the best candidate for that. Well, yeah. I was also thinking about the Doctor and his special, incredible, genetically modified powers would be interesting. But so, is he an actor anymore? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my, yes, he is. He was on. Uh, he was on. He joined the cast of Game of Thrones at one point, I think. But you, when you say Doctor, that reminded me really quick. You could bring the Doctor from Voyager on because he's a hologram. There's yes, no risk of him being a changeling. Then you'd have to do a data thing where you're like, oh, he's, we decided to age his uh, hologram because I don't. Know, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about that. And people can make the argument that you could reprogram him like was done on Voyager at one point. But no, I think you could bring the doctor back because he would be, he's a hologram. You're not going to have a changeling. At least I don't imagine you would. You could easily see, oh, he's, I'm not detecting, I'm, you know, they're clearly a changeling because they're not detecting a hollow image from him. So, yeah, that's my, uh. If I hope for another cameo, I hope it's the Doctor from Voyager. But yeah, um, no, I think my hope is that it just all resolves in a nice bow, and then I'm not angry by the time the season ends. Although I would love to see Chakotay coming back and having a very awkward interaction with Seven of Nine. Fans love that relationship. Shit out of the bucket. Yeah, I hope we don't see Tom Paris. Well, we saw him on lower deck, so that's fine. Boimler has those commemorative plates. Yeah. But no, I really don't have any uh, real predictions other than I hope whatever... I just... uh, My hope is that it's something surprising, whatever's going on, whatever the plot of the villains is. Yeah, I don't want it to, to sort of deflate. I mean, the stakes are high, and I don't want it to kind of end on a whimper, right? And just be something that turns out to not be as big as the season seems to communicate that it is. I didn't so. want it to be small as long as it's interesting and surprising. I want it to be something that I would have never considered and that makes me think. Yeah, I can see that. 
All right. I just figured out who Bashir was on Game of Thrones, and I, I never realized it was him because mm-hmm. he had a beard. Mm-hmm. Alexander Sadig. Yep. All right. Well, um, I think that's going to do it for us. So we won't be back for another three weeks or three or four weeks because we'll discuss the remaining episodes and the season. And I think really for a fir- and really for a first on this podcast, discussing the wrapping up of an entire series. We have not done that yet because no series has ended since we've done this podcast. And so now that one is ending, we're going to have to discuss Picard as a series, which I think will promote some rather interesting conversation. So until then, uh, everybody can follow us on Twitter at in at Star Trek. We trust follow us on Instagram at in Star Trek. We trust podcast. And you can email us if you would like at in Star Trek. We trust at gmail.com. So until then, live long and prosper, I guess. Peace out. Bye. Later.